Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Todd Chipman to the podcast. Dr. Chipman serves as the Dean of Graduate Studies and Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies here at Midwestern Seminary. He's also the teaching pastor at the Masters Community Church in Kansas City. He's an accomplished author and scholar, and he's released many books, including a recent contribution on the Gospel of Luke in Luke Discourse Analysis of the New Testament Writings, released in December of 2020. Dr. Chipman, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Pleasure to be with you. No, it's great to have you in the studio today. Of course, I see you on a near-daily basis here on the campus of Midwestern Seminary. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the questions I ask our students often is, what's your favorite class? Who's your favorite professor? And I never say, what's your least favorite class? Who's your least favorite professor? But uh, I always say, what's your favorite class? Who's your favorite professor? And uh, I often hear your name and your classes as an answer. And they speak to not just your expertise, but the pastoral care and personal sensitivity you give to them. And so that speaks so well of you. And with that in mind, it makes me all the more grateful to have you in the studio today talking about preaching the gospel of Luke. Now, before we get into this, though, give our listeners an update on you and your family and your ministry and uh, perhaps any other writing projects that are before you. Thank you, Dr. Allen. It is a pleasure to be on Preaching and Preachers again. I appreciate your podcast and your leadership here of our institution and helping so many pastors for the church. And so it is a pleasure to be with you. Family's doing well. We are, like many families, surviving COVID. Uh, we have not had a serious illness or, or death in our family. We're very grateful for that. No hospitalizations. But the emotional effects, like so many of us and churches, we are, we are looking forward to the Lord's providence of this being over. And, but we're doing well, grateful for the Lord's sustaining power, have uh, more children out of the home than in, which is fun. And it's fun to see uh, many of them just thriving. Uh, outside of the home and uh, finding their way with the Lord, joining churches and developing families. And it is, it's just a thrill. And those uh, children at home are doing well. Church is going well. I just this last weekend celebrated 21 years uh, of preaching ministry at MCC. And I'm so grateful for that and the opportunity to serve here at MBTS as well. Yeah, and for those who don't know you well, you came to Kansas City many years ago as a student. And uh, as a student, began pastoring the Master's Community Church. And through God's kind of providence, you did the MDiv degree here, the PhD degree, the first PhD graduate of Midwestern Seminary's PhD program, and uh, you've been serving with us here on faculty now for a number of years and stepping into this most recent role as Dean of Graduate Studies. So tell us about writing projects, what's on the horizon, what you hope to be on the horizon. I have the most recent publication is, is what we're thinking about here today, this chapter in Luke and Discourse Analysis, the New Testament Writings. Uh, working on a couple of proposals with publishers and looking forward to developing those ideas, a biblical theology uh, idea that's floating out there, and uh, just finished a contribution to MJT uh, and some Greek grammar work that'll be published here this year. Tremendous. All right, we're talking about the Gospel of Luke, and for those who aren't regular listeners, one of the, the series we developed a number of years ago is interviewing different scholars, uh, different theologians about preaching and teaching different books in the Bible. And so we've been incrementally chipping through the Bible, all 66 books, a few combinations there. Some of the minor prophets have been clustered together, but, but devoting episodes to preaching different books in the Bible. So today is the Gospel of Luke and uh, one of the three synoptics, a book that most every listener is at least 
somewhat familiar with, but after today, we trust they'll be more familiar with it and more uh, more capable, more able, more ready to preach and teach through this book, and more poised to do so based upon the conversation today. Now, you mentioned, and I mentioned, a, a recent work that you have come out. You contributed a chapter on the Gospel of Luke, on the discourse analysis of Luke, uh, a book out edited by by Todd Sacewater and uh, out with Advance Press. And so say a word about the book, about the chapter, and then an extended word about the discourse analysis in Luke. This book is a unique book. There are discourse uh, analyses of various books of the New Testament in monograph series or independent publications. This brings several together. And Todd Scasewater has pulled together a number of contributors, and it's, it's a delight to participate in the project. And when we think about discourse analysis, there are a few key ideas. Terminology may differ from contributor to contributor, but generally speaking, discourse analysis is an attempt to identify the parts of a discourse within the whole so that we can identify how a discourse flows. And within that, once we identify parts, we can then see what holds a part together. We can identify frames, beginning and ending of parts constituent elements that provide coherence and cohesion to individual parts, and then we can analyze for prominence. We can see what ideas stand out across a text, and that helps us then to communicate those ideas. A a discourse analysis can help a preacher because we can help the audience see not only what a text says, but where that idea is stated. And if we can help the audience, the congregation see where a text is emphasizing certain ideas, they can then gather that for themselves and see how the whole and the parts go together. So speaking of the whole, the Gospel of Luke, give us a sense of the broad contours of the book. Luke can be analyzed geographically, and this is not unique to discourse analysis. Most commentators note the significance of Jerusalem in Luke. When we think about the city of Jerusalem and references that Jesus makes or that Luke provides for us along the way, Luke is known for the large travel journey for Jesus to Jerusalem. Luke 9.51, Luke 19.41-44 when Jesus enters. Those are really handles by which a preacher can grab hold of Luke, put one hand in 9.51, one in 19.44 when Jesus is heading into Jerusalem. There we have his setting his face in 951, and then the arrival in 1941 to 44, and and his emotional expression over the city. Those can be handles for understanding the gospel because it's not just there in in these middle sections, but we begin in Jerusalem with the prophecy and Zechariah and and Elizabeth and Zechariah serving in the temple. We end in Jerusalem with Jesus back there after speaking with the Emmaus disciples and then back in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem along the way surfaces as well in chapter 13, uh, where Jesus speaks again of his emotional state toward Jerusalem. So these various expressions of the city help to provide a broad structure because in, in some ways, and Dr. Allen, when we think about preaching a gospel, sometimes it's helpful to look back to the Old Testament. And I preached through Luke in 2016 and 17 into, into a bit of chapter 18. But before that, 
I did a survey of Jeremiah. And I uh, didn't do every word of Jeremiah, but I took a little over a year to go through Jeremiah because the way Jesus speaks about Jerusalem in some ways reflects how Jeremiah spoke about Jerusalem. But the judgment is actually more severe because this is it. There's not another covenant coming. Jeremiah predicts the new covenant. Jesus is the new covenant and the opportunity to seize the day of grace. So when we think about Luke, Help us to understand kind of conceptually how we should think of Luke as it relates to the other synoptic gospels and then, and then all four gospels. Conceptually, there are many points of contact, and this is where we do synoptic studies and we recognize points of commonality and divergence. All the gospels present Jesus as the Son of God, the one who is the final prophet sent to redeem God's people, to lay down his life in his death and resurrection. The unique features of of each of the synoptics are worth attention when preaching through. And with Luke, the idea of Jerusalem as a structural marker, but also certain points where the Old Testament surfaces in Luke uniquely. One of those is in chapter 4 and verses 18 to 19, where Jesus quotes Isaiah 61, 1 to 2, in Nazareth, and he stands in, he receives the scroll, and he finds Isaiah 61, and he speaks about himself as this anointed prophet who's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's going to open the eyes of the captive, and that becomes a table of contents for Jesus' ministry in Galilee. So before 951, when Jesus heads toward Jerusalem, from four Verse chapter 4, verse 20 about to about chapter 9 and verse 50, that section is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61, 1 to 2. That, that Old Testament passage serves as a table of contents, and it's as if Jesus makes this statement in Nazareth in this bold proclamation, and then Luke describes how Jesus fulfills it. Jesus says what he's going to do, and here's how he did it over and over again in Galilee. So that's one uh, feature there of, of how Luke is a bit unique in an announcement and then immediate fulfillment as Jesus begins his, his ministry in Galilee. When you think about that great scene in Luke chapter 4, I mean, that is an arresting scene, and it does in many ways frame the gospel of Luke for the reader. And uh, what else can you say about that scene? I mean, for those who would preach it especially— it, it is an arresting scene. And I think when, when someone employs discourse analysis, it helps again to see parts in whole and what's emphatic. But it could be a table of contents for a survey of that section before Jesus heads to Jerusalem. So a preacher could do a broad superficial overview of this scene and unpack in the various scenes that follow how Jesus preaches the good news to the poor, how he does miracles that demonstrate his power. This, this is such a, a ripe scene in terms of the next several chapters, but it also presents Jesus as the object of doubt and scorn. That is picked up here by those nearest Jesus. Some of the problem is that Jesus is too well known. <laughs> we know this guy. <laughs> he can't be the prophet. This is Joseph's son, and it's, it's sort of comical. But this begins to set Jesus up as an object of scorn which is a prominent feature between 951 and 1944 when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. There, though, 
the object, Jesus is the object of scorn from the Jewish leadership, and they are coming against him over and over again. And instances of Jesus' interaction with the Jewish leadership in terms of conflict, that becomes more prominent in that section where Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, 951 to 1944. When I think about the Gospel of Luke, I do think of those two arresting passages. Of course, many arresting passages, but the Luke 4 scene and then the road to Emmaus scene, the back end of the Mm -hmm. book. And say a word about the road to Emmaus scene. It is funny. It it just is. Just as we mentioned here, it's a bit comical in in, uh, chapter 4. There, Jesus is on the road with his disciples, and he's playing a bit coy with them. Are, are you the only one who hasn't heard about these things? These disciples ask him, and Jesus, oh, tell me. You know, he's, he's playing. And it, it is dramatic and, and arresting, as you state. But there at the meal, their eyes are opened. And the, the grammar of the text notes that this is a sovereign act. Their eyes are opened, and they see who Jesus is, and immediately he's taken away from them. But the, the drama of the text then moves back to Jerusalem, where Jesus is with the disciples, and he appears to them, and he begins to unpack for them a central message that is throughout the Gospel of Luke, and, and the other Gospels as well, that the Messiah must suffer. And it seems that what is emphasized in chapter 24 is this idea that Jesus had to suffer. The Messiah had to be one who suffered, not just conquered, but had to suffer, and Jesus unpacking that from the Old Testament for them. Speaking of the eyes being opened, um, you preached to this book, if I heard you right, circa 2017 into 2019. Uh, you've spent a great deal of time in this book as it relates to your contribution to uh, the Discourse Analysis Project here. Uh, how were your eyes open? What, what were you learning and seeing? Perhaps that's theological, exegetical, perhaps it's personal, spiritual. Tell us about your time in the Gospel of Luke. I think I saw how, how it fit together and how it could be communicated in, in its broad strokes. But there were a number of places where my eyes were opened thematically. And uh, a couple of those were how not just Jerusalem figures prominently, but Abraham figures prominently. So if, if you're thinking about preaching Luke, look for instances of Jerusalem, but also look for Abraham, where Abraham surfaces we have a, a point of coherence of a number of ideas. In chapter 13, for instance, in this section where Jesus is doing a lot of healing in his Galilean ministry, again, he's fulfilling Isaiah 61, 1 to 2. In, in chapter 13, there's a crippled woman in a synagogue, and Jesus heals her, and the synagogue leader is upset that this is happening on the Sabbath. And what began to develop for me and what I learned was that in some ways there's a conflict quad that takes place with Jesus. Uh, Part of that quad is where something happens. It could be the setting of a synagogue or a Pharisee's house. It could be an issue over the the law, and often the the Sabbath is a part of that. And then there are, are crowds present. And if those four ideas surface, look out because we have a moment of convergence. And a part of that is often Abraham as well. And Jesus speaks to the, the Jewish onlookers who are despising him and mocking him. And he says, she is a daughter of Abraham. Well, this leads us to Zacchaeus in chapter 19, which most scholars will say, if we boil Luke down to one unit, Luke 19, 1 to 10, Zacchaeus, if we have this, we kind of get what Luke's trying to accomplish here, this outsider becoming an insider. It's someone who gives hospitality 
and Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham. So Abraham surfacing here. But between those two units, we have the rich man and Lazarus. And it's the, the scene of Abraham welcoming Lazarus. Lazarus is at Abraham's side. And so I, I learned about Jerusalem. I learned about Abraham. And maybe I could say one other word just about the rich man and Lazarus. One of the challenges of Luke is preaching the beginning of chapter 16. The end of 16 is easier. Rich man and Lazarus, okay, we can get that. The parable, the unjust steward, this is tougher. How So coach us through that. Coach us through. Well, I think uh, uh, by the book, and uh, get, I'll give you the Cliff's notes here. I think Luke 15 to 16 is a unit. So to understand the beginning of 16, the parable, the unjust steward, we also need to understand the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, and all of that in a setting where the Pharisees are grumbling because Jesus is welcoming those who are outsiders. He's demonstrating a a hospitable heart to outsiders And he then tells these parables of rejoicing over the outsiders coming home or the lost being found. And and this climaxes with the parable of the lost son and finances surface there. We we begin to think about money and finances there because this young man has squandered wealth and the older brother's upset. This takes us right into the parable of the unjust steward. And... uh, in a, in a very short way, the parable of the unjust steward is a parable where Jesus praises, by way of the parable, someone who seems to be lying. But then Jesus quickly makes the statement, the sons of darkness are more shrewd with their resources than the sons of light. But what are the resources of the sons of light? Spiritual resources, mm-hmm. kingdom resources, giving away God's blessings which the Pharisees were not. In fact, they were grumbling because Jesus was doing this in chapter 15. Right on the heels of the parable of the unjust steward, Jesus states that the Pharisees were, or rather Luke notes that the Pharisees were still listening. This is a whole unit that fits together. And the Pharisees are upset about the parable of the unjust steward. They get it because they're lovers of money. So they are upset, and what what happens here with the parable of the unjust steward is finances are used metaphorically for kingdom resources, and what we should be doing is using kingdom resources to be so generous that those who are welcomed in through our influence, they would greet us in heaven. There would be a great reversal of hospitality. So generous are we in being hospitable that those we are hospitable to with kingdom resources will welcome us into heavenly dwellings. That sets up the great hospitality scene of Abraham welcoming Lazarus at the end of chapter 16. So let me try to pull this together a little bit and pitch a couple more questions to you. And the next question that comes to mind for me is the why question. I mean, in my opinion, in my assessment, Luke gets lost a lot. Matthew preaching Jesus is king, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of clearly preachable units. John, the rich theology, the I am statements, you know, the signs, you have Jesus as the Son of God. It gets preached a lot. Mark gets preached a fair amount because it's just more digestible. It's shorter. But it seems to me Luke kind of gets left out in the preaching of the Gospels. 
make the case for preaching Luke, not just generally speaking, but even to prioritize it, even as it relates to the other gospel? I'll, I'll state the case sort of pragmatically and then work from there. In our day, Luke is, is a very helpful gospel to preach because of themes of hospitality and outsiders becoming insiders. For churches in, in our culture in the West, we have refugees coming to the United States. We have so many opportunities to be hospitable in a physical way, and we can use that for kingdom influence. Uh, there, there are a number of resources that, that tease this out. Uh, Craig Blomberg's book, I would recommend, uh, Contagious Holiness, and, um, and others that, that he has written and others uh, along the way. Can, can help us to think about this, but that in a pragmatic way can help. Second, theologically, the way that, that Luke describes Jesus as Lord is emphasized in chapter 951 through 1944. We have this unit of Jesus heading to Jerusalem, and Jesus' lordship there, his authority and power, and his, his, uh, his opponents coming at him and so we have this back and forth of Jesus as Lord and being opposed. But within that, we have a number of statements about discipleship. So this section of 951 to 1944, we have the binary, Jesus as Lord, Jewish leadership opposing him. And within that matrix, Jesus is teaching about discipleship here. Now, many of those ideas are common in Matthew and in Mark. But here we have it in, in this unit that, that really fits together. Finally, I would say the way that Jesus teaches in chapter 24 about the suffering Messiah, it brings the gospel of Luke together. I think the gospel of Matthew ends very well, obviously, and the Great Commission and so forth. But, but something needs to be said for the road to Emmaus, and then Jesus with his disciples in Jerusalem reinforcing that message. It really brings a climax to the whole of the book, and it fits together so well. And if, if preachers will see the, the bigger picture and perhaps do overview sermons of these larger units, it will help not to just get lost. Because I think that's right, Dr. Allen. I think it is easy to get lost but an overview sermon of the first two or three chapters, then an overview sermon of 951 to about 1944, and then walk through. An overview of Jesus' time in Jerusalem with crucifixion and resurrection, then Emmaus and back to Jerusalem. I think those can all be helpful ways to go about it. Well, Dr. Chipman, we'll have to leave it there. I want to thank you for joining us today uh, for your work in the Gospel of Luke and for your faithfulness and all the Lord's entrusted to you. Thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.